Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Two Saints podcast this afternoon with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, as I say, the week didn't pan out as I had hoped, but um, as I say, I hope all the Saints supporters and fans out there are keeping safe and well, looking after Absolutely each right. other. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, and obviously those of you that have had your first dose of your jab, make sure you've put your second one. And those of you who've had both of them, you're lucky buggers. <laughs> anyway. What about the so people that you... have not had none at all? There's plenty of them out there. Yeah, and, and those of you that haven't had it, you're poor buggers. Just to remind you, the ways to access the podcast are these, which I'm going to play back to you right now. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints podcast show is now available via Spotify, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Pop, or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show, and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. So, coming up for you, in the first half, we've got the Two Saints reviews of Saints Nil Leicester 1 and Spurs 2 Saints Nil uh, Saints 1. Plus, Saints Club News. So we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we'll be kicking things off with a Two Saints review of Saints nil Leicester 1 in the semi-final of the FA Cup. It's the Two Marks, CNH, on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95 FM. Yep, and that's every Thursday on Fiesta 95 FM from 1 till 3 p.m. Right, welcome back. So, the Two Saints review of Saints nil Leicester 1 in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Um, yeah, quite galling. Saints Cup dream ended at Wembley. Hassan Hill said we weren't good enough in transition and James Ward-Prowse, we didn't do enough. Yeah, I was hoping Saints were going to leave everything on the pitch. They sadly didn't. They've had a great cup run. Only conceded one goal in the entire competition. Unfortunately, it was the goal that knocked them out. Brilliant. Yeah, re- well done, Saints. Um, was really hoping after the West Brom game and the disappointment of going down 3-0 to West Brom and being so lacklustre, there'd be a performance at Wembley that the players would raise their game. Um, both teams I thought were quite poor, to be fair, but Kalitsi Inacho keeps his run of goal-scoring form going. Shay Adams on the bench yet again for Saints. Um, was the writing on the wall? I don't know, but it was a poor performance, very flat. And um, not the way you want to see your team go out of the FA Cup, Mark, was it? No, I mean, g- given it was a semi-final and you're, you're thinking to yourself, right, time for everybody, all, all 22 players on yep. the pitch to be up. Leave it on the pitch, all of it. I mean, if I was honest, given what I watched on Sunday, neither side actually deserved to win it. Um, it was poor. I, I, w- I would say Leicester probably had the better chances, but but even, yeah. e- even at that, even at that mark, I would say neither side deserved to win it because no. not, neither side, I felt, were particularly going for it. I mean, no. exactly. I think our our performance or Saints performance, yeah. I mean, there was a degree of fear yeah. to me about getting beaten badly yeah. again. But the thing is, I, I almost I almost read it as though Ralph went quite cagey, that his plan was quite cagey, first 45 minutes, keep it tight, don't yeah. give anything away, get yeah. to half-time, and then second half, try and nick one on the counter-attack. And I think yeah. that's what the tactic was. Unfortunately, it failed miserably because our transitions were poor, our ball retention was poor, and they just, you know, they, they, they had an element of luck as well, didn't they? Let's be fair. Yeah. The goal itself wasn't necessarily carved out by skill. It's a bit of luck, to be fair. It's a lucky deflection that happened to fall right at the feet of Ian Natcher, of all people. Um, 
you know, I mean, Jamie Vardy missed a glorious chance for them. But um, I mean, yeah, the, for me, the, the, the thing is, is Mark, I, I agree with you really about just even the possession of the football because every time we were winning the ball back, we, we were giving it away yeah. straight away. And yeah. it, it didn't matter who it was, you know, normally you would pinpoint the midfielders for that kind of thing. But yeah. it's going on all over the pitch. That's right. Genuinely, it was going on right. all over. And the thing was, I was also left left scratching my head at why Shay Adams was on the bench again. I mean, the guy, according to Ralph Hassanu, the guy breeds confidence, you know, works on confidence. He's a confidence player, etc. He was in a great vein of form, goes away to international duty, comes back and doesn't even play. No, I mean, no, the management at Shay Adams, mate. I'm scratching my head over the management at Shay Adams since he's come back from Scotland. G. I can't, I can't get my head around it. And to leave him out in a semi-final of the cup when they start, uh, uh, for me, that's a no-brainer. You keep him in the first eleven, surely. To- totally agree with that. I mean, I know, and we're going to come on to it in a minute. But obviously, he played against he played against Spurs, and yep. rightfully, rightfully so. You know, I- I'm sorry, but I, I always think that. You know, if we're going to score goals, you've got to have Adams and Ings playing in tandem Absolutely. with one another. You know, I mean, if Ralph likes Nathan, fair enough. You know, yeah. I've got a problem with that. He likes the yeah. way he presses. You know, play him in one of, you know, the midfield right or the midfield left, you know, out in the wing, yeah. whatever, you know, um, you know, there. But as far as as far as a partner striking partnership goes, yeah. You know, I feel much more happier when it sings and Adams up front. The bill. Yes, you and me both, Mark. To be fair, you know? yeah, no, absolutely, you and me both. I, I no. think, I, I think, if both of them are fit, you've all, you're always got a good chance of scoring a goal, at least a goal. Well, the know? thing is, for me as well, the only thing I would probably do with Ings and Adams is I'd swap them around because it seems as though when they play together, it seems as though Ings is acting as the target man expecting Shay Adams to come in and pick up the pieces and put yeah. the goals away. Yeah. I actually think it would work better if they switched it round. If they had Shay Adams more as a target man and Danny Ings feeding off of him, because we all know what Ings is capable of in and around the box. And for me, I think Shay Adams holds the ball up really well. So I think if Ralph swapped them around, got Shay to play more as a target man, I think it worked fantastically well. I yeah, can see I it mean, working very similar to the way Beatty and Pars used to play. It'd be a very I mean, similar kind of partnership in that respect. I, I do think they probably need to form a better partnership yeah. because I do I do feel that maybe not so much whenever Shea's scoring, but certainly yeah. when Danny, when Danny Ings has scored, a lot of it is just his own work, to be yeah, honest. You know, scoring goals out of nothing. I, mean, like we have seen. Grandma, I think back to partnerships, we've had striking partnerships at Saints over the seasons. And to be fair, the two partnerships for me that strike out, that stick out, that worked well, Pahars and Beatty, absolutely fantastic strike partnership. Works really well in tandem, Beatty and Pahars. And the other one for me was, um, sorry, bear with me, just get my training thought back. The other one for me, Lambert and Barnard, who when they both played together were both scoring goals at the same time. Same with Beatty yeah. and Pahars. Beatty and Pahars were both scoring goals at the same time. And with Adams and Ings, they're not always both scoring at the same time, are they? No, no. Um, all, all, I would, all I would say is, is, there is there is context to that. You know, Bernard and, and Lambert was at a lower level. Um, I mean, you know, to a degree, I think that, I mean, even on Rod and Beats, right, when when they were at the club, you know, because on Rod was the workhorse, you know, and and Beats was was basically the clinical finisher for the time, 
you know, he, he went on runs where he couldn't stop scoring and then, yeah. you know, there was runs where he it dried up a bit. But the thing is, is, you know, I kind I kind of agree, Mark, but then I but then I look at it and I think to myself, you know, a, a lot of the goals that Danny Ings scores, you know, he, he actually creates them himself. Cause, and, I, and I think back to the likes of, you know, the Liverpool goal this, this season, right, at St Mary's, you know, or even, funnily enough, the Tottenham goal for, from St Mary's last season, you know, the one that you always celebrate about where you, <laughs> where you sort of duck Megs, yeah. you know, Toby Arnold, you know, puts the volley away. Yeah. But, but um, you know, I, I just think, yes, the, there's balls into him, but at the end of the day, he, create, he creates a lot of the goals himself. It's it's what he does through his own intelligence, you know. And Shea Adams, unfortunately, is the workhorse who, yeah. you know, I, you know, as I say, those two have to play every time for me. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's absolutely spot on there. So yeah, Ram, huge disappointment. And um, yeah, we move on from there. So we're going to take a little uh, break now. And I think when we come back, Mark, we'll do the uh, two Saints review of Spurs two Saints one. I just want to say this in closure, though. Right for a semi-final, mate. To be honest, it was a complete non-event, and I absolutely. I felt. I felt let down, to be honest with you. I, thought, I really genuinely did. And I get what you said about, you know, of course he wants to keep it tight, especially after conceding three yeah, yeah. from. Yeah. Right? But, you know, all, all I'll say is this. When we went 1-0 down, there was no urgency to get no. back into the game. Exactly, Unfortunately, yeah. the free kicks from James Ward-Prowse weren't up to scratch. I mean... If you wanted to sum the game up, it's easily summed up. Just look at the last minute, right? So we got a corner. You know, Ralph Hasnahutl turns around and calls Fraser Forster up to the box. He goes into the he goes into the box to cause mayhem, right? We, we've got a free kick. James Ward-Prowse hits the free kick, misses anybody in the box. Yeah. And the ball just goes through to the keeper, and you sort of think, well, that sums up, that just compounds our day and sums yeah. the semi final up. You yeah, know? it summed up the entire performance, to be fair. Yeah, no, I've, I felt it summed up the entire performance, but that didn't actually did. Yeah, we both felt quite flat after that. But anyway, that brings us to the end of that review. So we're going to have a short break, and when we come back, we'll do the two Saints review of Spurs 2 Saints 1. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. So moving on to the Two Saints review of Spurs Two Saints 1, late heartbreak for Saints. Ralph Hassenhutl, we have to find a solution. Yeah, my solution would be score more goals than the other team. But anyway, <laughs> and uh, Shay Adams, Tottenham Hotspur Two Saints 1. Uh, Shay Adams basically, sorry, bear with me a sec, I've just... My link is just broken. <laughs> We're having nothing but technical issues with the show in the pub this week. But anyway, Shadow's provided an honest assessment of Saints 2-1 defeat to Tottenham in the Premier League and simply said it wasn't good enough. Can't really argue with that, Mark. No. Um, I mean, we've all got a goal from Danny Ings, great goal, but um, that the curse of the ex-Saint, Gareth Bale goes and scores an equaliser. And, um, yeah, heartbreak towards the end as well, Mark, wasn't it? But over to you. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of the game, I mean, you, you can't emphasize, emphasize this enough, sorry, 
Um, but you know, we're playing well. You've got a you've got a reaction from a lackluster performance yep. at Wembley. Yep. yep. And you think, yep, yep, this is us. We're on the front foot. Danny Ings looks like he's completely in the zone, completely yeah, up, for it, up for it, point to yep. prove, whatever. Yep. Right? And you're thinking, you know, one nil up, you're thinking, two, you know, score another one, you're in control of the yep. game, more or less, right? Yep. So, anyway, go in one nil up, totally, you know, was really, really happy with the first half. Yeah. Um, and then we came out for the second half. Danny Ings gets injured probably after about 12 minutes. Yeah. And then we just fell like a pack of cards, to be honest with you. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, you know, for how often do we turn around and say that he is the talisman for Southampton Football Club? Well, our perspective of what we say about what's going on with contracts yeah. and, you yeah. know, you know, I've always stated on on the show, even though I don't like the way he's conducted himself, because I just prefer him to sign the contracts, stay at the club, you know, and happy ever after. But that doesn't happen in football. Um, you know, I, and the thing is, is like, because I realise how important he is to the team. Um, and when he got injured, we were just completely directionalist. I mean, the thing that kind of got me was, <laughs> you know, Ralph doesn't make changes for till about 75 minutes. And as soon as Danny Ings got injured, he decided to make them raft the changes. Um, you know, defensively again, didn't look that great. Although I thought, I thought Salasu put in a manful performance at left back. I've got to, you know, it's it's not easy whenever you're, you know, because it, it looked to me, I don't know what you thought, Mark, there was a suggestion that it was a three, but to me it looked like a back four and Salasu was playing at left back. Um, and, and I, you know, given the fact that you're being thrown in the position necessarily you're not that familiar with, I thought he, I thought he did a manful job on the day, but... You know, the thing was, was Danny Ings goes off and then the the Brittle Saints shows its face straight Again. away. Straight away. Yeah, straight away. Uh, people were unable to retain the football again. I mean, you know, I don't like co- calling culprits out, but Stuart Armstrong, uh, I, you know, I agree with you when we did the assessment on the radio. And it, and it was a case of, you know, he broke up probably what was working in tandem in the sense of, you know, Stuart Armstrong and, and James Ward-Prowse. Yep. And, th- and that was that was a huge mistake for me, really. Oh. Um, but then, like you said, you know, Gareth Bell goes, scores a goal, had one ruled out, out yep. through VAR. Thankfully now, for us, that was a little. Spurs go on and win the game, but... The, the problem was, was once Danny Ings went off and you seen the effect that the changes had, because for me, the changes made the team worse. I mean, yeah. I think I said to you, it just would have been a straight swap job. You know, well, the, the thing is, Ralph's, Ralph's been criticised for not making subs early enough. He did it, but they all went horribly wrong. It didn't work out at all. And like you say, she just brought Nathan Redmond on and just left it as it was. Yeah, I mean, he, he, didn't, need to, he didn't need to go... 
completely blanket with the changes. That yeah. that was that was the issue. Yeah. I, I felt anyway. Um, yeah. And you know, the thing is, is you could you could tell that it 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 sort of crept in again. It was kind of like it was kind of like uh, Cavani when he came on for United at St. Yeah, Mary's, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And we knew the writing was on the wall. And and for me, when Danny Ings went off, right, after the first five minutes, I just thought to myself, Spurs are going to end up winning this. Yeah. And, and that was part was, Mark. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, that was there, there, there were hard. positives. There were positives. And one of the positives was John Moss gave us a VAR decision that went our way. So I'm happy about that. There's a positive. <laughs> I love John. John Moss gives us more points than that. Yeah, I think no, I'm just making a point. Second on the list when it, hang on, just to say, second on the list when it comes yeah, yeah. to seeing scattering points in the I, I'm not. I'm not knocking him, Mark. I'm not knocking him. I'm actually saying there's a positive. Thank you, John Moss. <laughs> but anyway, unfortunately, gave a penalty. I just want to get. I just want to get this off my chest, yeah. right? So. I read a few things on social media, you know, people going, that's me done with Saints for the season, you know, and and that there. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, no, folks, we still need a few points in the bag before anybody's done with the season. Um, And and just on that point, Mark, just so people know where we are, you know, I, 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 I still back Ralph. So let, let me explain why I still back Ralph. Okay. Um, the thing is, is that even if you change manager and it would cost the club six, you know, I think I think Ralph's on around six million pound a year. Yeah, I know he's the sixth. He's the sixth highest paid manager in the Premier League, right? So the first thing you've got to think about is where are they getting the money to pay him off? Okay, that that's the first thing to say, yeah. right? The the other thing would be if. You know, if Saints brought in a new manager and, you know, to me, there's nobody better out there than Ralph at the moment, okay? But if Saints were to bring in a new manager and appease all these fans that now say he's lost it and all the rest of it, right, I would would say this to them, right? I I would say, okay... The, set, the new manager is still going to be beset by the same problems, okay? And the, the other thing to remember is when Ralph had his top of the table and I said this to you, you know, I said there's two or three players that we've got that are good players, yep. quality players, right? Yep. And I said to you, the rest of the squad is average, yeah, right? Yeah. And the fact that he was managing to get a tune out of them, yep. you know, and we went top of the league, fantastic. Yeah, right? absolutely. But, you know, we all knew, because of the condensed season that we had, yep. we all knew at some time, at some point we were going to pick up injuries. Yep. And that always affects continuity in the way of picking your side and things it like that. Everything, right? it, affects, it affects confidence, it affects continuity, it affects everything. You're right. Yeah, performance, you you name it. And and I, and I just think it, it's short-sightedness by the fans that, you know, he was the man back in November when we were top, you know, and now, yes, I'm not happy, right? Three... 
you know, three wins from 20 in the cold lot of day, it isn't good enough and, it, and it's not great. But you've got to look at the bigger picture. You've got to look at what is actually going on within our football club. It's not just all down to, you know, the manager and changing the manager and everything else. And, and I don't want to be part of a club where we're just constantly changing manager because everything's gone per ship. Yep. I still I feel that we've got a manager that's going to take us forward. But, but the problem that he has is... The money, yeah, you know, the thing, the thing is, is to improve things, you know, you've got to be able to bring people in and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, he needs to seriously look at the squad and evaluate, you know, the players. I mean, Shane Long getting a two-year contract in the summer. What was that all about? Yeah. You know, and, it, and he's virtually on the same money he was on before. And you sort of sit there and you think, Hang on a minute. You should have sat down in the summer and turned around and said to him, you're still an important squad player, yeah. but you're not going to be playing much for the first team. Yeah. As a consequence of that, we're going to reduce you know, yeah. your wages. Right. You know, same, same thing with the likes of Jack Stevens getting a four-year. I mean, why not just give him a two-year contract and see how well he's doing after that? I mean... I know that there's probably reasons for it that you and I aren't aware of, but to me it doesn't make sense for a club that's struggling for money. Well, in know? fairness, what if somebody said to me, oh, Jack Stevens will leave the club if he doesn't get this deal for four years or for more than two years, my answer to that would have been selling me. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> I, I <laughs> you can't know? agree more, mate, you know, but, but you know, uh, as I said, it's a bit like, it's a bit like, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give this shout as well. Um, I, I'd like to see a restructuring of the backroom staff. Yep. I, I, you know, and I and I would like to see some people that you know are saints minded. You know, you've mentioned James Beattie. I've mentioned Matthew Oakley. People yep. like that. But I do question, right? Much as I love Kelvin Davis. I do question if he hasn't got his coaching badges, you know, why is he there? Because what what people used to say about him was, oh, he's there because he's good for morale. Is he? You know? What morale's that? He, he's an example of the Southampton way, you know, all these things people used okay. to use. But I, I just tend to think to myself, if you are, you know, if you aren't doing anything or you're not well, um, scratch or you're asking to, what people are doing, then, yeah. you know. Well, greatest respect to Calvin and what he did at Saints during his career as a player. Uh, that's all well and good. But if he's uh, evidence of the Southampton way, well, the Southampton way is broken and has been for quite some time. Yeah. So I think we should. Um, yeah. I think the club need to get away from the Southampton way thing because that's definitely broken. I, mean, uh, I think they need to get onto the, the Ralph way rather that, than the Southampton way. That's probably been broken since, you know, Puel came in or just even just after Puel left. But the thing is, is like the the problem has always been faced by the club. I mean, you've said it on many an occasion, a million pounds been invested by the owner over the last three, four seasons. And, And the simple fact of the matter is, that all the money, all the transfer money that was accrued, accrued during the uh, 
Koeman and Pochettino eras, yeah. right? You know, the thing is, is yes, Les Reed left as we are gifting Danny Ings, right? But by signing Danny Ings, he also made sure that there was no more money at the well before he yeah. left the football yeah. club. Yeah, and I think that, that actually left the club weaker as a whole, to be fair. So, um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot we could hold him accountable for, and I'm just glad he's gone, to be fair. But, yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the end of that, so we'll take another short break now. And after that, we'll be coming back with the Saints Club news. So we'll be back after after this very short word. Fiesta 95 FM, the Two Saints Show. Right, welcome back. So, Saints Club news. Reports from Premier League 2, Leicester 7, Saints 1, and reports from the under-18s, Norwich 5, Saints nil. Saints march on in the Vitality Women's FA Cup, securing a fifth-round tie. Spacey Cow, this is a really big moment. Rachel Panting, sometimes I hit them really well. Shay Adams wins the Sportsbet.io Goal of the Month. An update on refunds for the 2020-21 season tickets. Retro Hummel, sh- Hummel shirts now available to purchase from the Saints store. Saints FC selections for May have been made for Premier League fixtures on TV. And Wayne talks and appreciation. So we start with Premier League 2 report in the under-18s mark. Leicester 7 Saints 1 and Norwich 5 Saints nil. See, so under-18s and under-23s are doing brilliantly well. Look, I'm not going to pass any comment on it because every week it's the same. It's the same thing. Okay. Suffice suffice to say to any Saints fans that are stupid enough to call for Ralph's head on the strength of uh, the under 18 Uh, or the B team results, you know, please understand how your club works. Um, So, you know, it goes back to what I was talking about previously, really, in the sense that I I would like to see a coaching kind of restructure. Up, yeah. I, know, I know it's not going to happen because the club have obviously got this blueprint of their their manual, you With know. Money as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've got this blueprint that they're using, um, you know, this playbook. Um, and obviously... Everybody's had an input, as I understand it, even though some supporters seem to think it's Ralph's baby, which it's not. It's actually the club's. Um, And, you know, the principle is still the same in the sense of they want the age groups to play the same kind of football. But but like I said, Mark, surely you just can't play one way. You've got to have a variety of ways of playing now, I'm assuming the playbook allows for that. But I just think, at the end of the day, if you're constantly losing all the time, there, there's something wrong. Maybe it needs a new pair of eyes. So this is why I'm suggesting that maybe even, you know, at the B-team level and the under-18s level, there does need to be a coaching restructure. But of course... All of that is up to our good friend, Matt Crocker. There is. Yep, it's, uh, it rests squarely at his feet. <clears throat> Something which doesn't squarely rest at his feet right at this moment, thankfully, is the Southampton women's team, who've marched on in the Vitality FA Cup, beating Lewis 3-0 from two leagues above them. Spacey Cow saying it's a really big moment. Rachel Pantin sometimes hit them really well. Yeah, she scored an absolute cracker. The second goal is an absolute corker. And uh, Ryan Bertrand, if you want to know how to be a marauding, uh, marauding fullback, watch Millie Mox. He's absolutely brilliant. What yeah. a talent. 
A hundred percent, mate. All, all I'll say is, is it's nice to bring Saints supporters some good news this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the good news was definitely on the Sunday. I sat, watched it on the Facebook before before the disaster. Um, and I've, I've got to say, I mean, <laughs> the first team could do with going yeah. and watching the women. I mean, I don't know what to do on a Sunday, but certainly, you know, I would be saying to Ralph, I tell you what, right, rather than you spending Sunday with the family, Let's all go down yeah. to Tottenham's AFC, you know, and, and watch, you know, the women play football. It, it, it's um, ironic, isn't it? Because from a Saints point of view, Sunday was actually D-Day. So it was demolition for the fact that they demolished Lewis. And then it was devastation because they lost the men's semi-final. So it was it was a D-Day, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is, as I said, we're sat, I sat and I watched it, you know, on the Sunday afternoon and... I have to say that the commitment and endeavour shown by the, by the women and leaving it all out there on the pitch, Mark, right? Yes. Uh, th- this is why I would suggest that Ralph needs to, you know, take take the players down some Sunday and actually watch the commitment of the women's yep. team. Yeah. You know, because I'm I'm sorry, but you you're never done with learning in football. And right. there are there are things that could be learned there. And just to say, just to say, you know, the goalkeeper whose name escapes me deserves a lot of credit. She made an okay. excellent save. But I've got to tell you, Rachel, Rachel Panting's goal <laughs> it is an absolute cracker. And, and it deserved to win the tie. Absolutely deserved to win the tie. You know, you've you've got to remember that Lewis playing the championship, and we're two leagues two, below two that. Division, yeah, two divisions yeah. above us. Yeah. You know, so you can't you can't go on about it enough. You know, do they do they have a chance against Birmingham on Sunday? They've probably got a spot a small squeak, mate. To be yeah. honest, because I think yeah. Birmingham are probably third or fourth from bottom in 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 the Premier League. Yeah. I'm not saying that it isn't going to be tough. And I certainly hope that they do another stream on Sunday, you know, and you take the trouble to watch them because they're definitely they're definitely worth watching. And Rachel Panton's goal is the best goal I've seen this year. That includes that includes Shea Adams volley. But, you know, I was going to say, talking of. Talking the best goals of the season, Shad Adams has actually been short, uh, has actually won the Sportsbet uh, goal of the month. Shock of all shocks, Mark. The Saints fans actually agree with us. They've been listening in. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have thought so. Man. I mean, the thing the thing is, is what chance has anybody else got? I mean, basically, if you score for the first team, you're assuring. Um, but on this occasion, no. On this occasion, the Saints fans got it right. I mean. I don't think there was any other choice, was there? I mean, in, it, in, it, in fairness, know, given that the given that the under twenty threes and the under eighteens can't score anyway because they keep conceding so many, that's probably why none of them really feature very often. Well, you know, I've got to be honest. Much as Danny Ings has scored some good goals this yeah. season, Shea Adam, the, the Shea Adams half volley is by far and away my favourite goal, goal of the season for Saints. 
yeah, that and the technique's absolutely outstanding as well. So well done, Shay. You deserve it. And Saints fans all agreed with Mark. Brilliant. Happy days. So we have an update for you on refunds for the 2020-21 season tickets. In January, the football club offered 2020-21 season ticket holders the option of receiving a full refund for the remaining balance of their season ticket. Over 75% of season ticket holders chose to keep the remaining balance on their ticketing account to be used for future fixtures or to put towards the cost of their following season's ticket for 2021-22. The club will announce full details in the coming weeks in preparation for these going on sale. The club is temporarily closing the refund process for season tickets from 22nd of April. Fans are still able to request a refund by filling out the form on the website before Thursday 22nd of April and the club will reopen the refund process after the 2021-22 season tickets have been announced. Right. Um, I mean, my own take on everything, Mark, is, and yes, okay, there was a degree of uncertainty about what was going to happen over the ensuing season. But, but my own feeling was, was Saints should, should never have put season tickets on sale for last season at all. Nice. It just should have been... While fans were allowed to go into the stadium, obviously the people who have attended the most get the priority, you know, and you deduct money as and when people are going to games. It it would have been that straightforward for me. I mean, bearing in mind that the majority of, of clubs actually withdrew, you know, withdrew sales or, or in some cases didn't even put season tickets on sale in the first place because of the uncertainty but I mean hopefully it's different for this season coming up but um, I still think there'll be restrictions and we certainly won't see away fans in the stadiums until probably next season the following season I should say I think you're probably. I think that's probably spot on. To be fair, and um, that's probably quite sensible as well. So we move on to more news. Um, obviously we're all aware that Saints have struck a sponsorship deal with Retro with Hummel for shirts. Obviously for the following season, um, which is great news. But Retro Hummel shirts now available in the club shop. And Southampton Football Club are bringing you a new range of iconic shirts and training wear from yesteryear in collaboration with Hummel. So you can get your hands on the Hummel 1987-89 home kit featuring a striking design made famous by the likes of Glenn Cockrell and the Wallace Brothers. And it was also the kit that Alan Shearer wore when he scored a hat-trick against Arsenal on his professional debut. You can also buy the change kit from that season featuring the famous Hummel chevron detailing and drape tools across the front. Relive the early days of Franny Benali with the Hummel 1989-91 third shirt in yellow or the Hummel 89-91 away shirt in which a young Matt Letizier enjoyed a prolific season which was him, saw him awarded the PFA Young Player of the Year. Unlike many retro shirts, Hummel have authentically reproduced these designs from the original specification to ensure the shirts are exact replicas to the ones originally made. Yeah, which is probably part of the reason which is probably part of the reason the retro shirts have gone up by thirty quid to fifty five pound from the original twenty five pound. That's over fifty percent price increase, everybody. Right. But if you feel free to get yourself on a, a Hummel retro kit, by all means get yourself onto the online Saints store. Uh, it's not it's not happening for me for two reasons. First of all, the, the price raises, I mean, okay, so it might be the same replica shirt and it might be the same specs and everything else. But the idea is, is they're being sold as retro shirts. Now, any retro shirts that went before in the club shop was 25 to £30. And given, given what has happened this week, Mark, we're not going to go into it. 
but you know what I'm alluding to, okay? But given, you know, what's happened this week and everything else, you know, the club want the charges, 30 quid more for what basically is a is a, is a retro shirt. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care if Hummel's made it to the same specs. You know, I love the Hummel gear, but I, I'm, sadly I won't be buying the shirt. Also, also, and I'll I'll say this is a bit of tongue in cheek. One of the one of the other reasons why I won't be buying the shirt is I had a conversation with, and I'm quite happy to talk about this on the okay. pod. Right, I had a conversation with the manager in terms of the retro shirts. Okay, okay, because basically I would buy, you know, I I would buy the retro shirts, no yep. worries at all, yep. at twenty five to thirty quid, right. But the thing is, is I remember having a conversation and saying, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I would buy the retro shirts, but I said they only go up to 2XL. I said, what about the other Saints fans that are slightly more portly? You know, and there's plenty of us. Uh, you know, why, yeah. why, don't, why don't you provide, you know, larger, larger sizes besides the sizes that you've already got on sale? So... You know, m- m- much as I wouldn't be buying the shirt anyway, I still could buy the shirt if I wanted to because I'm a bit bigger than two XL. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just yeah. It doesn't fill me with um. It doesn't fill me with a nice warm feeling, Mark. To be fair, <laughs> so yeah, well, pretty mean, pretty annoyed about it all. After, after the after the week that we've had, yeah. I'm just going to say it, really. this. After the week that we've had and. You know, the, the good thing out of it, I suppose, is finally, you know, supporters on on that issue were listened to. But again, again, supporters are being treated like cash cows and everything else. And and the other thing that I want to say is, is, you know, I always make a point whenever I phone up if I'm buying a ticket, right? And the person will say to me, you know, Give me your customer number, and I will. I'll always make a point to say to them, "Not a customer, I'm a supporter." You know, I'm a fan of the football club, and and I make a point of giving them my name and address rather than actually giving them uh, my uh, my customer number because yep. I don't I don't believe in being treated as a as a customer. You know, I'm I'm a supporter and follower of Southampton Football Club. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, it's, it's it's just disappointing, isn't it? Anyway, we've um we'll move on to the fact that uh, we've got the TV selections for May have been announced, Mark. So this is um an interesting couple of fixtures. Saints versus Leicester. Oh dearie, dearie me! It's a Friday night kickoff, 8 p.m. on Sky. Oh, that's not good. And Liverpool versus Saints Saturday the 8th of May kickoff, 8:15 p.m. on Sky. Oh, Friday night against Leicester, 8 p.m. kickoff. That's not good. I I could have done without that news. The thing is, is I know that both sides are in the top six at the moment, Mark, right? But yeah. what, why why the both fixtures, okay? I get maybe one of them, but why do both of them have to be at eight, you know, around 8 o'clock? Why do both of them have to be at that time? You know what I mean? But as I say, look, you know, we went into this season and it looked like you know, football was going to be on the telly and you need to feed the masses and it is what it is. But 
I mean, all, all I would say is let's hope that Danny Ings is back fit for to go for the Leicester home game. Oh, that, yeah, that, exactly. is, that is the one reason for the next eight or eight days. You know, I'll have the prayer mats hoping that he he's ready and ready to go for that fixture. And if not that fixture, even the Liverpool away game, even though it'll be difficult for us to get anything from that. Oh, it's just hype the yeah, it's hype. It's hype the talent men's available. Yeah, that's all, that's all you can say, really. I mean, I mean, uh, is there any sort of latest on his on his injury or? I haven't had an update as yet, Mark, but I will try and find one. No, that's fine. That's fair enough. Right, we'll move on from there. Wayne talks and appreciation. Southampton Football Club is saddened to learn of the passing of one of its former players, Wayne Talks. Here, club historian Duncan Holly remembers his contribution. Wayne Talks was London-born but Isle of Wight raised, which is how he signed apprentice forms for Southampton Football Club in 1967. That same year, he came on as a substitute in a combination game, cup game against Arsenal, then, then becoming, at 15 years, 180 days, the youngest ever post-war debutant for the reserves. He had to wait until the last game of the 1971-72 season for his first team debut. And the next season he threatened to get more regular football when he made five straight starts to end the 1972-73 campaign. However, his career at the Dow petered out around the time Ted Bates handed over the managerial reins to Laurie McMenemy and he then moved to Bournemouth. Wayne, who sadly passed away at age 68, was a stylish, intelligent, probing midfielder, but had been caught after only five games. He badly injured an ankle, which he'd originally damaged in an England schoolboy trial, and Wayne knew it was likely unlikely to further stand up to the rigours of the professional game. So he initially moved into a job with the post office, and then into marketing and sales with Edenvale, and as an accounts manager with Palmer and Harvey, while turning out for the likes of Totten, Brockenhurst, Basingstoke, Middenbury and AC Dalco. Hampshire is full of local footballers who on social media have been recalling their playing days alongside him with great fondness. For not only was he a hugely respected colleague on the pitch, he was also a very popular coach as well as being a lovely guy. A keen golfer, a member of Coolhampton Golf Club, Wayne leaves behind his wife Linda, their daughter Ruth and a son Ollie, who also played alongside his father at AC Dalco. Wayne Talks, born 2nd of June 1952, died 17th of April 2021. Wayne Talks, an appreciation. And all I'd like to say is I'd like to extend, you know, the sympathies from the two saints showed uh, the family and obviously all all people connected. The way in talks, I mean, you and I, unfortunately, because of our age, you know, we weren't able to see we in an action in a Saints shirt, but obviously he did he did play in the same Saints team as friend of the show, Bill Beanie. Absolutely. And you know, Bill's a good friend of ours. Yeah, and I thought so with Bill as well, because I'm sure Bill's finding it quite difficult at the moment as well. So we think the YouTube, Bill. But uh, it, it's all very sad, mate. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it certainly is. Right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be doing the second half of the show for you. Every Thursday, and join Mark C and Mark H for the Two Saints Show. Follow Southampton with pre-match previews and updates from St Mary's live on Fiesta 95 FM every Thursday with the two marks. Be there or be rectangular. 
Welcome back, everyone. So, coming up in the second part of today's Two Saints show, we have, oh, sorry, Two Saints podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. So, coming up in the second half, we've got other football news, Saints in the press, and Saints transfer gossip. So, we're going to start with other football news, and we've got a lot of headlines for you to get through. So, Premier League in England news. Danny, uh, Tyrone Mings suffers social media racist abuse. Premier League plans a social media boycott. Jose Mourinho leaves Spurs after little daring or doing. Spurs appoint Ryan Mason until the end of the season. Edward Wood to resign from Man United role. AD Boothroyd to leave as England under-21's boss. In women's football, Team GB to face host Japan in Tokyo. In Scottish football, Premiership retains pay-per-view option. Reed misses St Mirren games for school. And BBC Scotland is to show two quarter-finals. So, starting with Premier League in England news, Tyrone Ming suffers social media racist abuse and the Premier League plans a social media boycott, Mark. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mark, I, I don't think this is the first time that Tyrone Ming's yes. suffered yes. racist abuse in the last year. That's right. Uh, he's had it a few times. Um, tired of turning around and telling people on this show, you know. But, you know, obviously the, you just got people who are absolutely deaf to it. Um, yep. But then on the flip side of it, I suppose, it's a good move, obviously, that the Premier League has announced that there's going to be a social media blackout. Um, it's a pity it's took this long, because I, I thought they would have acted quicker, given that, you know, sides that aren't in the Premier League, like Swansea, have already done it. Uh, Rangers up in Scotland have already done it. Um but obviously, it's something that's to be welcomed. I just, I just think that there should, it should be coordinated so that you know not only Premier League clubs, but football league clubs, and even further down the pyramid, um, and also you know players, uh, whether it be ex players or players on social media, because they have a lot of followers as well. So it should really be a complete coordinated thing. But obviously it is something that I welcome. But I, but I think it, it should have been happening a lot quicker than what it is. But maybe it takes longer to organise these things for the clubs. But certainly I think it should be across the board. You know, ex-footballers, footballers that are playing now should close off their accounts. You know, and, and the same with the football league teams, you know, it, it's maybe something that the Premier League and the Football League clubs should come together on. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad that's a, a bad bad thing to suggest either. And I think it that's probably the way forward. So moving on from there, Tottenham Hotspur. Jose Mourinho's left Spurs after little daring or doing, and Ryan Mason's been appointed until the end of the season. Should they have stuck with Pochettino? I think they probably should have done. Seventeen months, he hasn't really done an awful lot, Mark. Has he? They should have just kept Poch. The th- the thing is, is Mark though. I've got to be honest, the style of, you know, the style of football for, and, uh, you know, it doesn't affect me either way, but I will make this comment. The style of football under Pochettino was was drab. You know, and yes, he brought in Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale initially probably wasn't fit. You know, too many rounds of golf out in the golf courses of Spain. Um, but, you know, having, having said that, when, when you're sort of bringing in the likes of, you know, our, our friend uh, Pierre Milhoiberg, I mean, much as he was good for Saints, you know, you would you would never put him in an attacking player sort of mould, would you? And obviously, like, you know, 
Uh, Mourinho seemed to be spending more time sort of in sorting out his defence because yep. he brought in the likes of Joe Roden from Swansea, who's a centre half, you know, and and you you knew basically that obviously the idea would be solid defensively, and then hopefully you've got enough coming going forward. But even with Song and Kane in the ranks, and I mean they they were providing most of the goals, but. You know, you you still looked at the Spurs team and you thought to yourself, you know, they looked more of a defensive unit than an attacking one. Yep. And, I, and, I, and the thing is, is I think a lot of Spurs fans probably wanted, you know, the shackles off. So then we'll come to Ram Mason. I mean, Ram Mason probably can't believe his luck to be fair till the end of the season. You know, and I, w- I wish him well. You know, obviously came through the ranks at Spurs, you know, knows enough about the club. But similarly, you know, he probably should, still should be playing football. I mean, he uh, obviously got transferred to Hull. And not long after he was transferred to Hull, he got a head injury. Yep. So obviously, you know, he, he took up a posting, a coaching posting at Tottenham. But does he have the relevant experience? Quite questionable you know yeah. you have to say questionable obviously you know there's either dispensation going on or he's got a, he has got his coaching badges but yeah. you know it, it's it's an opportunity certainly for him um yeah. you know because if you know there is an argument that he could he could keep the job you know if he if he yeah, managed sure. to get Tottenham in the in the top four places for the Champions League you know, there is, there is a shout that he could end up keeping the job. Oh, okay. I wonder, you know, you'd probably think it might be highly unlikely, but for for a play to him, you know, it's a winning start, albeit that, you know, we fell apart, but it was yeah. but it was a winning start for him. You know, yeah. let's let's see if they can push on from here. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, and wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a feat if he manages to do that? Cool, I can imagine it now. Anyway, moving on from there. Edward Wood to resign from Man United, bro. AD Brewford to leave as England under-21s boss. And in the women's football team, he'd be to face host Japan in Tokyo. Yeah, so... Go, How good's your luck? <laughs> so Theory basically, Deary Brewford... I'm sorry, I've forgotten the top article. But Deary Brewford... Deary you can take me to the top article in the middle. I'll do Deary Brewford first. Eddie Boothroyd, it wasn't that much of a surprise, Mark. I mean, they always comfortably qualify for major tournaments. Eddie Boothroyd's gone to two European Championships. And during the finals, you know, it's three games, okay, that's played in the group stage. But, you know, we have won two out of six. And obviously, it hasn't been good enough. I mean... Even with the players that missed out of the last European Championships, I'm about out. But even with the players that missed out, you look at the squad of players still that he had and should they be doing better? I I think they should be. I really genuinely think they should be. Um, I, I I just tend to think to myself at the end of the day, was... You know, is was Eddie Boothroyd the first, you know, 
the right choice in the first place to take over the under 21s, given that his his coaching style is fairly conservative. Um, you know, and I, I've said this to you before. Um, he came into the FA at a time when he'd left Northampton Town. Yep. And he left Northampton Town. It was either six or eight points uh, at the bottom of League Two. Yep. Um, and I think I think it was Chris Wilder at the time that was appointed after him. And he managed he managed actually to keep Northampton Town up. So, you know, the club resume wasn't that great. Although he did have a fairly successful time when he was manager at at Watford, but then it, then he was sort of on the on the down escalator. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's been brought in at the FN. They gave him the under twenty one job. Well, just I I just want to say that going forward now, you know, I I'm gonna say it. I I'd like to see somebody like a Frank Lampard in there. Everybody else is talking about Frank Lampard getting Premier League jobs, but the thing is, is you know Gareth Southgate isn't going to be there forever. And I and I just yep. I just think to myself, you know, you want you want somebody that's progressive, that's gonna try and play an attacking, entertaining brand of football, which yep. wasn't really what you got under Eddie Boothroyd, but you know, that that that's kind of what, you know, we'd like to see for England and you know, I I have no no axe either way in it, but yep. You know, Frank Lampard would seem like a good, fairly good yeah, choice. I think it'd be, it'd be probably Frank Lampard already. How maybe? Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe Eddie Howe. Yeah, I, I could maybe see that because the thing is, is surely you're looking to groom in the in the same way that they did with um, Gareth Southgate. Yep. You know, by by appointing your England under twenty one coach, you should be looking to groom your next England manager. But the thing is, as well, you want you want young coaches. You, know, yeah. you want the young up and coming coaches. Eddie Howe's been held in high regard for a number of years by a lot of people. I know the FA were talking about him for England at one point a while ago. So you know, it's not as though he hasn't been looked at before. But um, maybe this is the right time for him now. Maybe you, it's the right job want, at the right time. You want people that are progressive as well, because yeah, obviously, you know, just just to say that's smart, you know. Since uh, Gareth Southgate's gone into the England job, you know you've seen a completely different attitude between, you know, the players and the media, and that that's down to him, you know, because because he wants the players to make themselves more available and be much more engaging, and it's refreshing to see, you know, off the pitch, you know, um, and then on the pitch, obviously. You know, you want you want somebody that's going to be coming at it with fresh ideas, and I do think that when you're younger, you know, you're more you're more engaged to taking on fresh yeah. ideas, and and obviously you try and be more progressive. Yeah, and definitely. I think I think that's what what's needed with the certainly with the under twenty months. Yeah, I agree with that. So moving on to Scottish football, Premiership retain the pay per view option they have at the moment. Read misses St Mirren games for school and BBC Scotland does to show two quarterfinals. So those quarterfinals, I'll just run you through those quickly because I've got them in front of me here. So the two Scottish quarterfinals that can be had is Aberdeen versus Dundee United and Kilmarnock versus St Mirren. They're both going to be live on BBC. Dundee United face Aberdeen on BBC One on Sunday, 
in Scotland at 2.30. And St Mirren visit Kilmarnock on BBC Scotland on Monday at 7.45. There you go, and that will be followed by the semi-final draw. And I have a, I have a vested interest in that, of course, because Aberdeen yeah. are playing. And uh, I was fortunate enough to listen to them on Saturday. Um, the one through against uh, Livingston. Uh, in a penalty shootout after Fantastic. a 2-2 draw. It was very entertaining. But anyway, besides all that, thanks for giving us that information. Sure. Just going back to the other Scottish stories, I'm not I'm not surprised that they decided to retain the pay-per-view. Um, at the end of the day, I do think there's a degree of certainty and it does give supporters the choice that may not want to return to the stadium straight away. Yeah. You know, I, I would probably even put myself in that bracket. So it makes sense to sort of retain the pay-per-view for supporters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just threw this one in because I thought it was a nice story. So yeah. Dylan Ray is a midfielder that plays for Yeah. And obviously, you know, he's played the last few games for the Buddies. That's their nickname, by the way. Okay. Um, and... You know, I, I, ju- I just thought it was refreshing that, you know, though he's been recalled for school and they've decided that, you know, the studies in the meantime are going to take yeah. precedence. So that was the only reason why I threw that in. Yeah. The other thing I just want to go back to that we didn't cover was the GB women. Um, so basically the GB... Oh, yeah, they've got to face on Japan in Tokyo. Yeah. So this is obviously for the Olympics. Um, and, and you know don't get me wrong there's some tough opposition in there but to be given Japan on their home soil uh, you know it's an interesting start to the tournament in the group stage certainly for GB and uh, no. you know hopefully they can give a good account of themselves Mark but I, am, I am worried because the England uh, women's team recently lost both their friendlies yeah. and it's the same don't forget it's the same interim, interim coach is, yeah. of the England team that's going to be right. in charge of the GB team so you know I am hopeful that she is going to pick you know a fairly a fairly obviously it will be mainly English based players yeah. but I hope that the rest of the home nations get a look in as well Absolutely. and I hope Absolutely. she takes I hope she takes Kelly Shields on her on her coaching <laughs> staff there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So Edward would to leave his role at Man United. Um following on from the talks that have been going on this week about certain other formats of the game, Mark. Yeah, I mean all all I would say is is I think this is hastened his departure. It it was agreed that he was probably gonna leave at the end of the next season anyway. But obviously that that's been accelerated forward now and he's going to be leaving, as I understand it, at the end of the year. Um, all, all I would say is is it was a 10-year that brought uh, FA Cup success, um, League Cup success and a Europa League, um, so three trophies. I, I don't think, you know, it was particularly successful. I think in terms of he was in charge of Manchester United's strategy. I, I think that was very, very hit and miss. Um, and really, at the end of the day, I suppose, 
the the United supporters probably would have expected more. Um, but what what I would also say, Mark, is that you know he he got the job on the on the on the fact that basically he helped the Glazers secure ban the football club. You know, he he was instrumental in helping them buy the football club. So basically, by him leaving the football club, the the Glaziers are going to lose an ally. So it's going to be interesting who's going to fill the vacuum. I mean, previously, before he was there, uh, it was David Gill. And David Gill actually did, I, I thought he did a fairly decent job for United. But, I mean, he went away and worked for UF afterwards. But be interesting to see who fills the, the void that's left. But I think it's safe to say that nobody would be shedding any tears if, you know, Ed Woodward wasn't the appearing football ever again in any guys. But I dare say, like everybody else, he'll turn up somewhere. It'd be a bit like the Dark Lord when he departed Southampton Football Club, Mark. I don't think there'd be any fans um, shedding a tear over the fact that Edward was departed, like the Dark Lord when he left Saints. But no, also, exactly. I doubt he'll probably he'll probably rock up as an MEP like Rupert Lowe's done. It, it's kind of it's kind of like you know what the the bigger clubs want at the moment from the owners, you know, because they want a lot of the you know they want the Americans gone, for example. But yeah. you know, um, and and all I would say about that is is the only problem with that is, you know, you might end up, hopefully there'd be somebody with enough money to buy Liverpool or buy United or whatever, or a city come to that, right? But the problem is, is once you get new owners, it would be the same, it would be the same type of people who don't get the club, none of its values, none of its history, yep. you know, so, so you would be left with the same sort of owners where it would be all greed orientated and money orientated yeah absolutely yep i think we've covered that as well pretty well so that, that brings us to the end of that section so we're going to take a break now and when we come back we'll be giving you the last part of the show which is saints in the press more Wembley reaction and saints transfer gossip we'll be right back it's the two marks cnh on the two saint show fiesta 95 fm Right, welcome back everybody. So Saints in the Press, more Wembley reaction for you and Saints transfer gossip. We're all aware of their backing, skipper James Ward-Prowse delivered messages to Saints fans prior to the game. James Ward-Prowse will be better and bigger after Wembley defeat. I don't think we deserve to win. Walker-Peters delivers honest verdicts of Saints FA Cup semi-final display. Yep, well done Sherlock. And Daily Echo, Ralph Hassanutal says we did not leave everything on the pitch. Yeah, I totally agree with him on that one. <laughs> right, so just, just cover those four. I mean... You know, just on the first article, Mark, I think that the bottom line for me would be if they were acutely aware of the support that they were receiving, you know, they didn't put a performance to match the support that they were receiving from yeah. the supporters. Um, and the, the, the second article uh, from JWP was even more interesting for me because... He suggested in that article when he when he was basically talking about uh, more to come that you know Saints at some point would be back at Wembley quite soon. Now, yeah, I think um, Saints might well be back at Wembley, Mark, but not for the reason he thinks. Yeah, but 
I, I don't even see that happening, to be honest, mate. I mean, the the thing is, is James, James Ward-Price will probably be back at Wembley in a few seasons' times, but sadly for us Saints fans, it might be in a different shirt. Um, I certainly... I certainly don't see Saints being back at Wembley any, you know, anytime soon. I'm I'm happy to be proved wrong on that. And James, James in the interview seemed fairly confident that Saints would be back at some stage. But well, was that was that fairly was that fairly confident Saints were going to be getting promoted via the playoffs at Wembley from the Championship, or fairly confident the Saints were going to? No, I'm joking. I'm joking, Mark. But, you know, it, it's just I mean. I'm, I'm glad that he's got that. The one thing I would say, Mark, is I'm glad that he's got that mindset and he wants to look forward and try and push, try and push us forward because we do need it at the minute. Yeah, but I, I just, I just think at the end of the day, after the performance we've seen, you know, coming out and actually turning around and saying, you know, we'll be back at Wembley soon, you sort of think. I don't think that's going to be the case for a while. Right, and also coming out and saying we'll be bigger and better after the defeat. Yeah, well, that lasted a long time. Took less than a week. Straight after the <laughs> defeat to them, we're going to lose to Tottenham. So that went well, James. But, yeah, brilliant. But the other, the other two are sort of self-explanatory. I mean, it, it's always difficult, mate. When you're put in front of a camera and you've suffered a defeat, it's always difficult, you know, to give an interview after you've lost because you're, you know, I'm sure they're feeling deflated and all the rest of it. But obviously the last two the last two articles there, you know, it's basic they're basically just state the obvious, you know? Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I think we move on to the Saints transfer gossip. In the Alps, Saints by Munich are interested in Raf Hasenhutl. Mohamed Elianisi provides an update on the prospect of a permanent Celtic switch. So we'll start with the Alps. Raf Hasenhutl linked with Bayern Munich. Let's hope he doesn't go, Mark, but something tells me if the investment isn't there and he feels as though his project's not being taken seriously, he might well depart. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is I thought I'd include it because it is, it is a possibility you know, m- much as we may not want it, but it, it could be a possibility. Uh, again, a lot of it will depend on what happens in the summer, how much he's back. But also with that, Mark, you've got to remember that Danny Rao, you know, is the number two at Bayern Munich. And Danny Rao worked with uh, Ralph Hasnoodle, both at Southampton and Red Bull Leipzig. So there is that relationship there. Um, and and I think that's kind of where you might, you know, it might be a thing. The thing is, is is his record though good enough for the good of Bayern Munich? You would suggest within German football it is, but maybe his stint at Southampton may have tarnished that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, all I'm going to say in his defence, Mark, is the fact that every club he's been at where he's been back financially, he's done a good job. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, and then the Elton see one, well, I just, that that one is a bit of an interesting one for me in the sense that he'll come back to Southampton. I'm not, I'm not sure how much he'll be given a go, to be honest with you. I think... Would, would Saints not sooner have the money given the current situation, right? And the, the, the realisation is that he's far more likely to be 
sold off to a Spanish club where there's much more interest, right, than be sold to Celtic. Because I, I just think if he goes to Celtic, so I'm not against him going back to Celtic if that's what happens. But I, I just think if he goes to Celtic, it'd probably be for less money. You know, and that, that's not good for our football club. No, definitely not. So that deals with the outs. And these are possible ins. <clears throat> so Watford are set for a summer transfer battle with Southampton over 4.3 million rated Ford, over 4.3 million pound rated Ford, Randall Colo Mouani, but will cost 4.3 million to prize him away from French club, from his French club this season, this summer, sorry. The 22-year-old enjoyed a break-free season with League One club this term, scoring five times and adding six assists in 32 appearances so far. The Frenchman's exploits appear to have turned heads across Europe. Um, yeah, that's a possible link them up. It's Nantes, Ford, Randall, Colo, Moani, 4.3 million. Probably round about the window that Ralph's been told to shop in by the club, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Less than 10 million quid, Ralph. I mean, the the thing is, is Mark, the truth of the matter is, he's going to have to bring in some bargains over the summer, even, even if he wettles his squad down. You know, you get rid of the likes of Wesley White, Lamina, Elzanusi, yeah. Shane Long, yeah. you know, Michael Omafemi, right? And you'd like to think that that would bring in some money. You've also got the situation with the uh, sponsorship deal and also the kit manufacturing deal, where obviously he's been promised money from both deals, yeah. I would imagine. So yeah. hopefully... You know, he'll have a bit of a pool of money. Um, just on the nonce forward, you know, you've, I've got to say that, I mean, given the situation we're in, I don't think we have much choices. I do yeah. think that, you know, you're probably going to see maybe three, even well, possibly four players say, if you look at it, 10 million. If you look at the fact Shane Long's out on loan at Bournemouth, Michael Obafemi's back in training at the moment, but obviously hasn't featured an awful lot even before that, and was on the verge of going out on loan, it'd be worth getting this guy in, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think it would. I mean, when you look at some of the performances, even of people who are in and out of the side, like the Gineppos, I mean, yeah, I can I mean, to be honest with you, yes, he made an impact initially when he came here. But you look at some of the recent performances and you think, we paid 14, 13 to 14 million for yeah. this lot. Exactly. You know, and, I, and I'm sort of sitting there thinking, of course I'd take a punt on this nose forward. Yeah, you so know, he's. In the, in the same breath that, and I know you're going to come on to it, you know, Jacob Murphy for 3 million. He's three million quid from Newcastle. At the end of his contract. The only thing that I worry about players like this, Mark, is. Because they're at that price, because of their contract situations, right? It's going to attract interest from other clubs. I mean, last week we were the only we were the only team that was interested in this nonsense forward. All of a sudden, Watford are interested, you know. And and then the thing with Jacob Murphy is we're being linked to him, and you know the truth of the matter is is. Well, once the cat's out of the bag, there's going to be other clubs interested at that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, that, look, that's always the case. As soon as the cat's out of the bag, and the second anyone says Southampton are interested in, you immediately know everyone's just going to go. It's like, it's like when you're walking through town, you see a load of pigeons, 
you see a load of pigeons just on the street and you yeah. know the second you get to the first pigeon the second that first pigeon leaves all the rest of them are going to follow and it's exactly yeah. like that with transfers the same as anyone breaks cover everyone flocks it together it's literally like pigeons in the high street it's well, a brilliant I'm, analogy that which i think sums it up brilliantly yeah so you know so um that's basically where we're at on on the nose forward and on jacob murphy i mean i think i think maybe i mean jacob murphy would be an interesting one for me given given that there, there's a lack of forward momentum from the wings there really is um and the thing is is the one of the problems is i know i keep talking about Gineppo, but he he is definitely one of the players that's consistently inconsistent. So moving on to the last one, these Leicester City and Southampton in the run into Simon Matthias Svanberg. Leicester City and Southampton are among the Premier League clubs interested in landing the signature of Bologna midfielder Matthias Svanberg. Yeah, see, um, uh, yeah, interesting one. It, it is an interesting one, and it's one that we we obviously visited before. You know, we visited it last summer. Uh, the problem is, is the price twenty million. You know, again, if you're going to buy a player like that, there you need to offset it by buying your less than ten million pound players, your bargains that you can find. But I mean, Ralph, you know, just on that point, Mark Ralph seems fairly confident that you know he's going to be able to bring in uh, a few bargains over the summer. So. You know, you you'd be hopeful that that is the case. Um, obviously, I'm hoping that he's going to be scoring throughout Europe. Um, but yes, um, obviously, the way things are at the minute, we're having to cut our cloth, and you do wonder. You know, obviously, the the cheaper bargains offset the fact that we're looking at a twenty yep. million pound player. Well, the other thing is what. I'm not against Saints going for these bargains, okay? But all I would say is the problem we've had this season is we've had an average squad, okay? And yeah. we've been, it's been threadbare and it's been shown up due to injuries. Worst case scenario is we go and get these bargain players in, that's great. But if they don't amount to anything, we're right back to square one and we're in exactly the same position we are now. The only difference will be, yet again, we'll have a bigger squad and we'll have less quality. It's almost, it'll almost be like deja vu again. I. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of get that, but I also think to myself, what do you do? Do you do you try and sort of improve the quality, uh, and on top of that, bring the numbers in? I think there is there is definitely a numbers problem because we've got way too small a squad, and I, and I do accept I do accept what you're saying, Mark, in terms of the quality, but my argument would be. You know, uh, Jan Badnerek cost five million quid. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that's my point about bringing in quality players. If these players are quality and they're less than ten million quid, that's great. Yeah. But what I don't want to see is the club making the same mistake they've made before and bringing people in for the sake of filling the squad up and then being quite average players because but not then, all the players we brought in are great, are they? Let's no, but but then to be to be honest, Saints are probably at their best when they're bringing in relatively cheap players, you know, do stand tallage nine million quid. You know, same with same Yeah, but again, that's, again, that's a per, that's a player with quality mark again. 
That's right. the difference. Yeah, but hang on, hang on. Nine million quid, though, Mark. Yeah, you know, but it's quality. Let me just say, you know, we went out and bought a player free £18 million. Yannick Vestergaard's not... I mean, we're, we're going to tell you, if that player's offloaded for the money that we we paid for him, fair enough. But for me, he's not worth £18 million. Quid. I don't care what anybody tells me about how he's improved this season or anything else, you know? And the thing is, is much much as you can show me, you know, I can show you examples of where we've paid big money and they've been absolute flops. Yeah, I agree. Loads of them, both fail, for example. You know, so, you know, I think if if you sit there and you identify players that are not going to cost you the fortune, I don't have a problem with that. It's when they come out and deliver. And the, thing is, is, the thing is, is that people like, uh, you know, Gineppo, people like out there, they don't. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that maybe when you look at some of the lesser buys, you know, for less money that we've bought, you know, they haven't turned out to be that bad compared to... Some, I mean, Stuart, Stuart Armstrong, for example, oh, £7 sorry. million. Pound. All I'm going to say six, is six seven million pounds. My, my point about it is my point is very simple. My point is this: is the fact that I just hope with the lack of a transfer specialist that the club are apparently bringing in. Let's not forget that, okay? <laughs> with the lack of a transfer specialist, okay? <laughs> Hang on. So with a lack of a transfer specialist, I'm just hoping they've done their homework properly this time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I've given up on this transfer specialist. You know, the thing is, is if if Martin Glover had, was brought in, right, to sort out contracts, right? I'm not saying he was brought in to, to, to sort the transfers out, but he was brought in for contracts, right? And given, as I mentioned earlier in the show, about, you know, Shane Long and Jack Stevens, because that still eats into all your budgets, you know, just just giving these people contracts willy, willy-nilly for... <laughs> you know, bodies for body's sake. I mean, it's funny because we're still talking about bodies now because we still have one of the smallest squads. But it's but I'd still be prepared to get rid of those players that don't contribute to the overall squad. Yeah, you know, our, our irrespective of whether that leaves us. You know, if we're kicking off next season with the same number of players, so be it. But what but what I would say, Mark, is. Also remember, there was no pre-season. It was a condensed season, you know, and the injuries were going to come. But I do take your point, and I do think that we still need a bigger squad with greater quality. Now, how Ralph addresses that and how the club addresses that, I don't know. No, neither do I, I, to be fair. Um, Let's just hope that we have a good summer because we need one. Certainly do. So that um, brings us to the end of the podcast today. So, just like to say to everybody, thank you for following the pod as you do every week, week in, week out. We thoroughly appreciate it. Don't forget the email address for the podcast show, which is the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com for any questions you might have, any future features you'd like to see, or any of the content we do do that you don't like. So, anyway, all that's left to me to say is goodbye. So, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Keep taking care of one another. And hopefully, we're in for what should be a sunny and enjoyable summer. So, you know, take care of people and look after each other in the meantime. 
and hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Absolutely, and if you're not able to do that, you can obviously listen to the podcast via the following methods, which we're just about to send out now, so you can have a quick listen to that. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints Podcast Show is now available via Spotify, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Pop or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. Right, there we go. All's left for me to say is goodbye from The Two Saints Show and join us again next week when The Two Saints go marching in. Bye. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.